Hello and welcome to the third instalment of the Extra Time podcast. I'm this week's standing host, Ben Rowland, and I'm joined by two debutants on the show, Jack Green. Hello. And Harry Feather. Hello. How are you both? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, not bad. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. No worries. Thank, thank, you, for, thank you for joining us. So, what's coming up on this week's edition of the Extra Time podcast? We talk about Gareth Southgate and his England team going into the fixtures against Holland and Italy over the next week. Who will be number one? Does Jack Wilshere even go to the World Cup? And who will take the captain's armband? We also discuss, is it worth having an international break? Do fans want to see it? What's it all about? Uh, LA Galaxy have just announced the signing of football, footballing enigma Zlatan Ibrahimovic. We talk about the Swede's career and his time at Manchester United. Talking of Manchester United, Luke Shaw has been publicly criticised by Jose Mourinho. What should the left-back do and has he been treated unfairly at United? Right then, boys, going back to the start, international football, what do you think of the squads for England coming up? Especially if we've got Holland tonight. So, what do you think of the squad? Um, it's not the, obviously not the best squad we could have had, but injuries and stuff like that have contributed to that. But I feel like it might be the best of a bad bunch as such. Yeah. So with the likes of Tarkowski, I'm not saying, I mean, he's had a good season and that, but you wouldn't see him being Going on the, the plane Cup, yeah. for the World Cup. Maybe the same with the likes of probably Jake Livermore. Like, in my opinion, why is he there? Because West Brom are having a terrible season. It just doesn't make much sense to me, to be honest. But that's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all right. Uh, with every England squad that gets announced, you uh, you get kind of a chorus of, oh, it's, it's the worst squad I've, I've seen in my lifetime. I think this time you might be able to make a pretty serious case for that. It's weird to me because it's got kind of an experimental air with, you know, Lewis Cook and Nick Pope and Tarkovsky. But at the same time, there are some players there who you have to think we've seen the best of. The likes of Joe Hart and Jake Livermore. I'd like to think that Southgate has a a pretty solid idea of what to expect from them. So I'm not particularly sure what they've They've been in squads a lot before, especially Joe Hart. So he knows what they're like, but... Yeah, I understand why he's brought in Tarkowski and uh, the likes of Cook and Pope because obviously they've never played for England before. They've obviously had good seasons, but I don't think they will go. Pope might if he continues playing well for Burnley and Hart drops off even more. But yeah, so it's a strange one, especially with Livermore and Hart. I agree with you. Um, so talking of Joe Hart, who is England's number one at the World Cup? Obviously he said Jordan Pickford will probably start tonight against Holland being that 30 million man from Everton, but Who's the best? Jack Butland's there. Pope, Pickford, Hart. Who's who's got it for you? I think it's Jordan Pickford for me. Um, I'd have said Butland before his kind of long injury layoff last season. I don't think he's he's been quite as solid uh, since he's returned. I think Pickford has essentially been the one and only good thing about Everton's season. Really, of of the keepers, I think he's probably the one I'd have the most faith in to kind of not make a particularly big error. I like Nick Pope. Nick Pope, for me, is probably second choice. Do you feel he's a bit too inexperienced, maybe? I think possibly. I think that's maybe one of the reasons why Joe Hart is is in the squad, because I think realistically Joe Hart won't be be playing in the friendlies and won't be playing at the World Cup. But the reality is, if you go to the World Cup with your three keepers as Pickford, Butland and Pope, you've got three keepers there with... Limited on international experience. 
little to no experience would of you not put Tom Heaton in that like in that show instead of Hart then for the experience element. he hasn't got international experience though true but I mean he's been there done it essentially with Burnley I suppose yeah he's, he's not playing a lot at Burnley obviously form of Nick Pope's been very very good recently uh, well start of the season he's very good he's I wouldn't say he's dropped off, but he's not not heard as much about him about him recently. Um, so, free, f- say free, free. Keep- I mean, we know we've got four in there at the moment, but free keepers to take to the World Cup. Who do you take? I think Pickford and Butland are probably kind of you you two that are absolutely nailed on. I think if Tom Heaton is back and fully fit and kind of gets a, f- a few games in with Burnley between now and the end of the season, I think you take him. I think otherwise Hart will go. Whether that's mm. the right thing to do, I don't know. If he's third choice, I, it probably won't matter too much. Yeah, but remember, we did. Was it 2010 World Cup where I think James Green, Green and Rob Green, Hart. David James were all three of them used? No, that, Joe Hart wasn't. Joe used. Hart wasn't. Rob used. Green started against America, yeah. and then had that yeah, fumble against yeah. with Clint Dempsey, and then. So all all three keepers could be used. That might be important. What about you, Jack? What would you go for? I before. Uh, for me, it's between Butland and Pickford. I feel like they're both they're both different keepers in a sense. I think Pickford shot stopping is very very good. I feel like that's that was the shining light in Sunderland season last year. He was, and like you've just said, Harry, he's a like one of the bright sparks of Everton's team as well. But I do, I feel like Jack Butland's equally as good. At the minute, so I I couldn't call it between them, but I feel like they're both good options to have in the squad. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jordan Pickford, I think his also his distribution. Jordan Pickford is very good, especially is, yeah. in the friendly he played. When was that? A couple of months ago. Was it Germany? That when whenever Jordan Pickford last played for England, yeah. his distribution was very good mm. with his hands and with his feet. So yeah. I think that. Gives him extra yeah. extra brownie points. Shaved, saved a few uh, penalties in the under twenty ones last summer yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, did. Yeah, so that that might come in handy mm. come the World Cup. So next thing to talk about England, Jack Wilshere. Obviously, been playing very well recently after getting back into the Arsenal side, and then, like he does, he gets injured. Would you take him to Russia? If you can guarantee he's going to be fit, yeah. But you can't guarantee that he's going to be fit. So would you so, take him? Because um, say he is fit going into the into the tournament, you've you've uh, you've chosen him to uh, to get on the plane, and then he gets injured there. Is that a seat wasted, or is it a risk worth taking? Um, I well in that case, I'd take him because I don't really see many other options to take his place. But I feel like as a creative player, he's probably one of the better ones in the Premier League at the minute. And like you said, he's had a bit of a resurgence at Arsenal the past few months and I feel like he could push his way into that England team if he can stay fit so. Yeah I'd, I'd lean towards taking him even if you can't necessarily guarantee that he's 100% fit because it's not as if there's kind of a queue of creative ball playing midfielders behind him that are kind of knocking on the door it, He's he won't necessarily be keeping anyone out if you, if you get what I mean yeah. even if you can only get kind of one or two games of of a fully fit Jack Wilshere, I think he's probably one of the few midfielders that we have that are kind of able to to you know take the ball and go past a man or or pick a pass out 
whereas I think the likes of you know Dyer and Henderson don't have that ability. No. Yeah, he's obviously he's a different player to Henderson, Dyer, whoever you have in that holding position. Because when he played for England a couple of years ago, he was obviously he was fantastic. He was normally the best player in the pitch. He could take on a man. It'd make England play slow football. I think it's agreed to say, mm. especially over recent years. And he sort of changed that uh, driving on from the centre of midfield, trying to link up with whoever's up front, whether it was Rooney or yeah. Welbeck, whoever it was. But. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult decision for Southgate to make, and uh, I, I think he should go. I feel like, as well, the only other alternatives in that position with the same creativity is possibly maybe Ross Barkley or Adam Lallana, and both neither of them are, well, they're probably equally as fit as Jack Wilshere is at the minute. Very true, so. yeah. What about Ox? Oxlade-Chamberlain, would you play him centre mid? I don't know what I'd do with him, to be honest. I guess the advantage of taking him is he can play he, lots yeah, of positions. He'll, he'll do as he's told, essentially. you know. Mm. I maybe wouldn't even have reservations playing in kind of the wing-back role if something would happen to Walker. I, I don't know. I, you would take him. I've I've not seen a great deal of him at centre midfield, but Jurgen Klopp seems to like him there. Yeah. As a Liverpool fan, Jack, would you play Ox in the centre If it was Say if it's a two, two-man midfield, would you still play him? Um... Not probably not in a two-man midfield because I feel like he seem from watching at Liverpool he likes to wander a bit, especially to the right hand side. Yeah. yeah. So um, I mean I don't feel like say it was Ox and Henderson. If Ox wanders, I don't feel like Henderson's got the defensive capability to mop up everything on his own. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Talking of Jordan Henderson, then Gareth Southgate has announced that he will be captain tonight. But there is no Harry Kane. There's no Gary Cahill. Who who takes the captain's armband in Russia? I don't know. I'm not sure it matters as much as it used to. To be honest, no, I, I think agree. if you've got players out on the pitch who are naturally good leaders, who are naturally vocal, who are kind of good at organising the people around them, they're going to be able to do that regardless of whether they have the armband or not. Um, it's not say just you know. Oh, who cares about who's the captain? But I wouldn't say there are necessarily any kind of standout leaders in the squad. Yeah. So give it to someone who'll do an all right job. No one's going to complain if it gets given to Kane or Dyer. I don't think. You got mm. an opinion on that? I I agree with Harry. Really, I don't see a. There's not. I don't feel like there's an individual that you can pinpoint in this England squad and say he is the leader of this squad. I've. I mean, I feel like Jordan Henderson's probably getting it because he's the captain of Liverpool as well yeah. so he's just got a bit of merit I suppose in that sense but if we're talking about the current England squad now I don't really see any standout individual where you'd say he is the captain maybe Harry Kane when he's fit but other than that not really the thing with Harry Kane though is he doesn't he's not the captain of Spurs and obviously he's phenomenal mm. so if you give him the Captain's armband for England. Does that give him an extra responsibility that he doesn't need? Um, I don't think so. He's you know he's going to be the furthest forward on the pitch, so it's not as if he's going to be kind of you know constantly trying to orchestrate everything that's going on in front of him. Um, I think if he gets given the armband, his responsibility is still going to be to score and create goals. I don't think uh, he'd necessarily suffer from that. He you know he seems perfectly ma- mature and confident enough to be able to handle a responsibility like that. Hmm. I feel like he's also maybe 
just my imagination, but I see him as a very proud Englishman in a sense. Yeah, like yeah. he wants he, to play well for his He's country. one of the individuals that he would like is proud to put on that England shirt every time he gets the call up. Yeah. Um do you think we'll struggle tonight without Harry Kane then? Obviously he's not in the squad against uh, Holland. Didn't qualify for the World Cup, but they are still a very good team. And then Italy over the next week. Do you think we'll struggle in these two games without him? Do we rely on Harry Kane? Um, I think to a degree, but more of a subconscious thing because of his form for Spurs over the past few years. It's kind of, oh, Harry Kane's in the squad. He's going to score a, score goals, a few yeah. goals. Rob, but then I don't feel like we'll struggle because I still feel like we've got enough to cause the Netherlands problems with the likes of Rashford, Ali. But then I also well, Harry Kane offers that outlet as it's Harry Kane. Let's give him the ball as such. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we'll necessarily struggle. It it might force us to play a bit differently. Um, I don't think Vardy is starting tonight. I think he's. Yeah, I think Rashford's going to start as yeah. that number nine with maybe Sterling Ali off him. I think Southgate said. Yeah, I. I mean, I guess it's it's interesting. It's maybe a way to bring someone like Rashford in, get him linking with the other players because I guess the other side of it is maybe if Harry Kane does were to have started these two games and you know kind of played particularly well and had the players behind him linking with him. If he then, you know, picks up an injury, doesn't go to the tournament, we struggle for you. About yeah. you, then, you then are worrying about because you planned so much for yeah, Harry Kane. You know, we were, you know, the Harry Kane team, and now <laughs> Harry Kane's gone. What are we going to do? But this kind of against decent opposition, it gives players like Rashford and Sterling and Vardy to maybe get more of a go of it in in a more focal role. Uh, Gareth Southgate did say that we may be playing a 3 4 3 tonight, 5 2 3, however you look at it, with uh, Young and Walker as the fullbacks. With that formation and system, would you have Kane as a straight swap for Rashford up front then at the World Cup? I think he probably would, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's a very brave man who says he'd start anyone else up front. Uh, the indication from Southgate was that he does want to go for kind of a three at the back system and I think similarly to when, when Chelsea pulled it off so well with Diego Costa if you are playing with the one up front in that system you want someone who is you know quite physically capable of you know kind of leading the line on his own but also making runs in behind and I think Harry Kane is pretty well rounded in that sense so I think he is he is the sort of player you want in that system Yeah I agree like you said you need if you are going to play with the one up top I would go with Harry Kane just because he is more physically dominant to the likes of Marcus Rashford who not saying he could be pushed off the ball easily but I feel like Harry Kane would just offer a bit more resolve and maybe I feel like his distribution is not bad as well so maybe linking in other players Especially with Deli Ali. Yeah, yeah they've got that like shared understanding to a degree I suppose with the Spurs link Does uh, does Rashford miss out on the starting start 11 then? Or do you, do you play him off, off Kane? Instead of Sterling or Ali, I think you have to play Sterling based on the season he's had yeah. this year. So in that sense, yeah, I would say miss, I bench. would say Rashford is starting from the bench. But I, I also don't think 
he's not capable of starting if needed. Yeah, so if, if he needs to change it around, yeah. he can, yeah. yeah. You got anything to add for that? Um, no, I, I probably wouldn't be starting him. The, um, I don't really have too many worries about kind of our attack with, you know, if it's the striker and those two wide forwards or whatever. The worry for me is is more in the midfield area because you look at someone like Sterling, who's had a pretty productive season, scored a lot of goals, and most of his goals have been him kind of floating inside yeah. off the wing into more of a kind of a poacher position. But with the likes of David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne being able to pick those passes, I know he's got Kyle Walker, you know, on the on the right hand side, but we don't necessarily have a Kevin the, De Bruyne or a David mm, Silva in our team. No. no, and equally going back again to Chelsea, you know, they, you know, they made the three four three work because in the centre that midfield they had Angola Conte, who's who's two players, the <laughs> kind of the best in that role in the world, and Nemanja Matic, who, so you got you got two players there who are. Good at looking after the ball, good at breaking up the play. You've got, you know, Hazard and Willian and Pedro. I don't think we're we're quite as dynamic as as we maybe need to be to really pull off the uh, that system. Yeah. So that coming to an end to that now, can we have a prediction for tonight's game? Obviously, England against Holland. I am gonna go two one England scorers or. Uh, I think Dali Ali will score, and I'm gonna say, who's the third centre back? Did you say? I think he said Gomez would might start Stones mm. and Eric Dyer. I think I he said like might play as a back. Possibly three. Dyer from a corner, maybe. Okay. I really don't know. Uh, based on absolutely nothing, I'll say uh, we're gonna lose one nil. Big Ronald Koeman's come in. He's really galvanised uh, the Dutch lads and they'll have too much for our too back much. line. Fair enough, fair enough. So the international break, do we really want it? Is it necessary in the footballing season? Has anyone got an opinion on that? Um, I personally don't like them, but I can see why we have them. Because, I mean, they do offer, like, Sir Gareth Southgate a chance to look at his squad. Because if we didn't have them, to be fair, he's only got, he only gets to work with them maybe when we have an international tournament or when the player has the summer off, he can, like, pull them on it. But I uh, don't I don't like them. As because, a fan of the Premier League. As a League. fan of the Premier League, I don't like them because I feel like Sometimes I think feel like it happened with Liverpool a few years ago, where we were playing really well, and then had an international break, and Daniel Sturridge got injured, and that kind of not threw away our season, but it just hindered it. Yeah. And I feel like your team can be on a roll, and then the international break can come, and other than getting to see all the English players play together, it doesn't really op- offer anything other than that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I I really like the idea of the. Uh the Nations League that I think is is coming into place in, I don't know, is it a year or two's time? Yeah, a year or two. I can't remember when it is exactly, but it's around then, yeah. Because okay. you've got kind of, again, the opportunity for Southgate and for the England squad to kind of gel together. But from a fan's perspective, it means it's competitive football. Yeah, the tournament actually mm-hmm. matters yeah. rather than just passing around. You're watching back. England playing against kind of reasonable sides in games that actually matter rather than kind of going to Estonia and kind of winning 3-0 and 
having a player pick up an injury yeah. and you think, well, what was the point in that? Yeah. Well, I feel like in that case, if that when that does come in, my opinion may change slightly because it, we're seeing competitive football that has a meaning to it. But as of now, it doesn't really offer a lot to me. So what about European qualifiers, World Cup qualifiers? When when would they take place? Or do you just think from these leagues, you just pick your teams from that? I'd be lying if I said I completely understood kind of the workings of the the Nations League system. Um, kind of more intelligent people than me will have put a great deal of thought into the format, I suppose. Um, yes, as long as... I, th- I think the primary aim of it is to kind of cut down on the number of fixes that don't really matter. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, international breaks can't just be discarded. So, if, you know, they're here to stay. Might as well make them interesting and might as well make them meaningful. Okay, nice little debate there. So moving on from uh, international football, LA Galaxy have just announced a signing of Zlatan Ibrahimovic on their Twitter account. Do you think it's the right move for him and the club in, in fact as well? Um, it, I mean, it's great for LA Galaxy, obviously. Yeah, having having like Ibrahimovic obviously going to make a lot probably make a lot of money out of the deal and for, Zl- for Zlatan I don't really think I didn't really see anywhere else he could have gone I feel like after the career he's had and at Man United you could only step down from that and I feel like it is a good move for him in a sense that maybe I'd, I'd, I mean I don't know how fit he is but the league is obviously not as competitive as others so maybe he'll just be able to his career will be prolonged by going out to the MLS and that sort of thing. Yeah, I imagine he'll have a really nice time. You know, he's, he's he'll go and live somewhere nice and sunny. He'll get paid a lot of money in LA. Yeah, he, let's be honest, he, he won't have to try particularly hard when he does play. I think it, it's fairly obvious that his time at the very top level was up. He's not the sort of player you can imagine, you know, going and signing for Birmingham on a, a one-year deal. <laughs> You know, yeah, why not? LA Galaxy get a lot of publicity, yeah. get a striker who, you know, in all probability will score a few goals there and he gets to put his feet up, have do a nice time. You, do you think that's good for the MLS then? Like players like, obviously, Beckham's done it, Ashley Cole, players that are at the end of their, not just them two, but plenty of others, coming to the end of their career, going over to ease it out in the MLS? I think it's probably good and bad. The problem is maybe that it will get this sort of reputation as essentially a glorified retirement league. Mm, yeah. But at the same time, you're getting people like you know David Villa, Beckham, Perlo, Thierry Henry going there. Publicity. It is obviously going to raise the profile of it, and it's more of an incentive maybe for players who ordinarily wouldn't look twice at MLS football to maybe think, if it's good enough for Ibrahimovic, it's good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I I was also of the opinion that it was more of a glorified retirement home at one point. But I feel like with the emergence of maybe... I feel like in the past few years, younger players have thought about going over there as well. So it's clearly attracting maybe a more competitive person because I know the likes of Carlos Vela's just signed for the new LA yeah, franchise. Yeah. The two DeSantos brothers of LA Galaxy. And, I mean, Sebastian Giovinco He's went been, over there when he was yeah. 25. 
He's, I mean, he's been really good. And uh, as far as I'm, he got back in the Italy squad a year or two ago from playing in the MLS. So it's not so, just... So, I mean, you do have the marquee players going out there and finishing their career, like Pirlo, Beckham, Lampard. But within the past few years, you've maybe saw more players come in that could have still done it to a degree. Yeah. Like Sir Giovanni De Santos came and he was 27. He was at Villarreal, and he—I mean, Villarreal are a good team in Spain. Didn't really need to leave. It's still a high-quality football. So, obviously, America haven't qualified for the World Cup. Do you think that's the uh, the signings that have gone over there? Have they affected the fact that they haven't qualified for this year's World Cup? Uh, probably not. I think if if those sort of big-name signings are going to have any impact on the US's chances on the international stage it'd probably be a, a positive impact because you'll have kind of players coming up through their uh, academy systems and being exposed to kind of a level of technique and skill that they ordinarily wouldn't um you've got people like Patrick Vieira over there now in coaching roles so I would think long term kind of the growth of MLS would theoretically have a, a positive impact yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, from what I can or have seen, I feel like the um, the America team was an ageing side to a degree with the likes of Tim Howard. Yeah. So I feel like maybe it might benefit them to miss out on this World Cup and just reinvigorate so, as such. Cool. So speaking uh, of Ibrahimovic at Man United, Luke Shaw has been criticised by Jose Mourinho. Obviously, once was a... Uh, golden boy for England was playing at um, international tournaments from a very young age and he's dropped off quite a lot at Man United not even starting left back behind a non-left back in Ashley Young do you think he's been unfairly treated and what, what what should he do? Well I think first and foremost he should probably think about leaving shouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Jose Mourinho doesn't like him for whatever reason the thing with Luke Shaw is he's obviously or was a player with huge talent, you know, he was in the the PFA team of the year, aged eighteen. Um, a thirty million move went yeah, to the last that. World Cup as well, didn't yeah. he? Mourinho isn't the first one to kind of question his attitude and desire, but I think he's the first one to do it really publicly. And whereas before, when Mourinho has made comments like he um, he said that Shaw was a long way behind, like Damian and Young, in terms of desire and application in training there was a sense that you know that was Mourinho's last throw of the dice he was trying to help Luke Shaw and push him along but now it's almost a bit sadistic in how Mourinho's going about it like kind of making him the whipping boy it's you can make the excuse sometimes for Mourinho in the press that he's trying to take the the attention away from his players but now he's doing the opposite yeah they've obviously had bad times recently do you think Luke Shaw's been a not an excuse but someone to blame Maybe I feel like he has been treated as a bit of a scapegoat to a degree, but um, I also agree with Mourinho possibly because I mean, if what you were saying about Damian and Young in training, I mean we don't see that, so I don't feel like Mourinho would just think, oh, I'm going to pick on Luke Shaw today. So I, f- I feel like it's a, both parties are probably contributing to the stoking of the fire. 
Yeah, yeah. So he's obviously had interest from uh, other clubs such as Chelsea. Where do you think would be the best place for him to go? I th- maybe not a Chelsea. Because of Alonso? Well, more because I think it's it's probably a, a, a little too high profile for him. Um, I know it's very early to say this, but his career almost needs a, you know, a bit of a restart. Yeah. So if he were to, I don't know, say go back to somewhere like Southampton or, I don't know, an Everton... A, you know, a, a kind of mid-table, yeah, lower, a, a, a bit of a lower profile. Yeah, you know, for him to try and kick on and get back to the sort of player he was before the leg break. Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel like if he did, if he went to Chelsea, he might not experience the same problems, but just be w- overshadowed. Would still be in a similar position that he is at Man United. So I, I agree with what you're saying. I think he, I feel like maybe not back to Southampton. Or, if Bertrand's still there, but someone like Southampton is probably the best move for him at the minute. Okay, and moving on from that, we have this week's get rid of what? So we have two strong arguments from two debutants on the show who have obviously heard before what we do here. If you haven't heard before, we discuss two topics, anything around football that... Some people question why they're there. Shall we get rid of them? We'll put a Twitter poll up after the show goes live and you can vote at Extra Podcast on which one you think we should get rid of. So we'll start off with you, Harry. What is your thing to get rid of this week from football? My thing to get rid of is uh, naming four goalkeepers in international squads. Why, why, Why is that your choice? We're playing two games over a period of, what is it, a week? Maybe yeah, week and a bit yeah. You know what are you gonna do? They're gonna have a half each. What's the point? Um, <laughs> I guess I guess maybe it's a it's a bigger problem, especially because you've got Hart there. And as I said before, what is playing Joe Hart for forty five minutes against Italy gonna reveal to you about his ability to play at the international level? Like, I don't see why you'd need to take four goalkeepers and only say you know two or three strikers or whatever. It's not necessarily the most physically demanding of positions. It's not as if Nick Pope's going to come in after playing against Italy. And, oh, I'm absolutely shattered. Can <laughs> someone else go and have a go, please? It's yeah. It's just odd. Do you think Joe Hart's been taken as like a um a not not a coach, but like someone to offer the support to these younger goalies? There is that, and kind of having him there. Because you know those three don't have a great deal of experience at that level, so it would be handy to have someone to pass on things like that on the mental side. But if that's the case, don't name him the squad. Take him. Just take him anyway. Yeah, in in a similar sort of fashion to what we did with Beckham uh, oh, yeah, for yeah. South Africa. Have him sit on the bench in a nice suit and clap the boys along, give him Make some sure, encouragement. Just reassure the fans that he isn't actually going to play. Yeah, just say, don't worry, I'm. <laughs> I'm not going to ruin everything. I'm, I'm just, just here, here to, to encourage help. the lads. Yeah, cool. Jack, what about you? Well, mine is rather topical at the minute, and not, not specifically about football, but the current price of the Panini stickers for the Russia 2018 <laughs> album, 80p, in my opinion, is scandalous. Um, I feel like, well, me and you went and bought some yeah. yesterday. We did indeed. We were. <laughs> Shocked at yeah. the price to yeah. a degree. I mean, I can see why it's there. I mean, changing with the times, 
people need to make money off this thing. It's a big money making. It is a money making scheme at the end of the day. But I feel like let's have some fun. Yeah, it take <laughs> it kind of takes the fun out of it to a degree. Only, but then maybe through a nostalgic point of view. I mean, I haven't collected them for a number of years, but when I did, I reckon they're about forty p. Yeah, and yeah, they're a lot cheaper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I completely understand why they are the price that they are, but I don't agree with it to a sense. Did you get anyone good yesterday? We, pa- we, we got a few. Ronaldo actually, and yeah. Messi. Yeah. Wow. You can't say you've not got your money's worth. Got They'll a, be worth a fortune. Hang, hang on, we actually got Ronaldo twice. Yes, we did. Oh, that's obscene. <laughs> we should offer the price. You don't know how lucky you are. <laughs> Have you got anything to say on each other's arguments, or are you just going to agree with each other I, and just I agree hope with, for the best? I, I agree with Harry's arguments, yeah, I to think be fair. We can, we can have a really pleasant agreement here. Yeah. You know, some young kid wants to get World Cup stickers. Eight piece a bit yeah. much, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I remember. It's all your pocket money. Yeah. Coming over from yeah. school, getting my pocket money. I could have got at least like three or four packs back in the day now, maybe two at push. Well, that's inflation for you. Yeah, it is indeed. As. As obviously the host this week, and I know Adam does it a few times, I'm going to actually sway towards the Panini stickers because obviously I've spent my own money and bought some. And I see your point with the four goalkeepers, but if Southgate thinks that there's no one else he can take, then (laughs) who else does he take? We obviously haven't got... We're not blessed with the the best players at the moment. We've passed our golden era and we we haven't got the best players. So I will... Agree with Jack and uh, get rid of the 80 pence. 80 pence for a pack of stickers. But it's not up to me. It is up to the public. And last week's poll was 67% in favour of banning the opinion that Ronaldo is better than Messi. Beating extra time substitutions quite comfortably. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, yeah. Messi's better than Ronaldo? uh, Oh, yeah. No question. We won't start that debate. I would not start that debate, but I agree with the outcome that... There is a place for extra time uh, substitutions. Okay, so we will put a poll on our Twitter for this one. Getting rid of 80 pence for a pack of stickers or taking four goalkeepers in your international squad. That will be on at Extra Podcast as soon as the podcast is out. And I think that is it for today. So thank you very much, boys. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.